This is the Worthy C Podcast. Uh, I'm Chip Stewart, and it's Monday, May 29th, 2023. And for this episode, I would like to share my thoughts on the first miracle that our Lord performed at a wedding in Cana in Galilee. Like I said, it's the first of his signs, and I've I've heard many commentators, um, pastors, focus on a few things about it. I think the, the one that stuck with me the most was the fact that he was able to change water into wine, which changes the very nature of it, the very chemical nature of, of the liquid. And it shows creative ability of God. It's a miracle. But thinking about it, this is his first sign. And even though he was prompted by his mother Mary to perform it, I feel like there's something else here. And it has much greater importance than we realize. What I'm about to share with you, I have never heard anyone else um, analyze the text this way. Or if I have, I've forgotten. Um, but I, I do think that there is something quite a bit deeper with what Christ is, is doing here at this wedding. And what I believe he's actually doing is it's a sign that he has come into the world to shed his blood for the cleansing of man's sin. And through this act of shedding his blood to claim his bride. So let's take a look at what happened in Cana at the wedding. And we can find that in John chapter 2, starting in verse 1 and going through verse 12. So I'll read it. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves a good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. So let's review what happened in this text. So at, at some point during the feast, Jesus turned the water in the jars used for purification into wine. It, it, it's, when, it's after the wine ran out is what it says. It doesn't say at the very end or in the middle or anything like that. It's after the wine ran out is, is where it happens in the order of, of the feast. But I would suspect it happens probably more toward the end of the feast. So I'm making an, an assumption there. His mother, Mary, once the wine runs out, comes up to Jesus and, and 
requests of him to do something, it's implied, you know, do something to resolve the problem of the wine having run out. Well, you have to remember Mary knew exactly who he was, the Son of God. Let's look back at Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, where the angel Gabriel visits Mary. It says here, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So you see here, the angel Gabriel is declaring that her son is going to be the son of God. And he is going to reign on the throne of his father, David, forever. His kingdom will have no end. So Mary knew full well who her son was. And then her cousin Elizabeth and the baby in her womb, who was John the Baptist, also confirmed this when she visited Elizabeth. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this grant to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So so we see that, that Mary knows full well who Jesus is, and thus the request at the wedding, because Jesus can do something about it because he is the Son of God. Now, what's very interesting at this point is Mary's request to her son Jesus seems to be a bit premature. And the way our Lord responds makes it it sound that way, because his response is, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. So you, you wonder, is, did Jesus plan this? Is this something that's kind of outside of what he had come to do on earth? But regardless, he takes the opportunity to perform a sign, which I think is very indicative of what his mission is, what he has come to earth to do. So he says in, in the statement, my hour has not yet come. That's a very common phrase that he uses referring to his death on the cross when he had sacrificed himself for us. So he is immediately responding with, you know, his time to provide 
the real good wine, his blood, was still a few years down the road. It had not yet come. And, and I wonder, you know, Jesus knowing of the symbolism of the wine being his blood, if he had that so intertwined in his mind that that's why he responded that way. My hour's not yet come to, to sacrifice myself to provide the blood for the cleansing of sins. But what this was, what he was about to do, was a demonstration of what he was going to do for all mankind. It was a symbol. It was a sign of, of his act of shedding his own blood. Even with his response, his mother Mary was insistent. And so she then tells the servants, do whatever he tells you. She's confident that he is going to be able to resolve this problem, being the Son of God. And then our Lord acts anyway. And this is when he provides the very first sign after um, his baptism. And this is, again, pointing to his his entire purpose on earth, to provide the means of salvation for mankind and, and to purchase his bride. And then finally, when the master of the feast tastes the wine itself, he proclaims that it was a good wine at the feast. Everyone serves a good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. And I can only imagine how good this wine was. If it was made by the Lord Jesus Christ, it was probably the best wine ever. And here, against all custom, it was served. It it ended up showing up at the feast toward the end as opposed to serving poor wine. So it, it's, it surprised the master of the feast. So we have to look, now, now we have to look at the Lord's Supper because this is where it ties the symbolism of his blood and the wine together. In, in, when he institutes it um, in Matthew 26, um, it's a sign or symbol of his blood of a new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And this is what it says. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And so like the wine he provided um, toward what appears to be the end of the wedding feast, his blood he provides at the conclusion of his ministry at the cross when he, when he goes to the cross. And when you look at what he created the wine in, these um, vessels for purification, for where they would, um, jars that they would fill with water for the Jewish purification rites, in the same way, the, the, the wine he created in there, the symbolic of his blood, is meant for the cleansing of sins. It is... It, it replaces any sort of temporary cleansing of, of the sacrificial system, of, of just water cleansing your hands with the permanent cleansing blood of Christ. So the jars symbolize the blood, his blood, that will cleanse us of all sin, those of us who believe. Uh, John talks about this in 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5 and going through chapter 2, verse 2. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of of the whole world. In this passage, John is putting together his blood and how it cleanses us from sin. Now the good wine, the wine provided by Christ, he will provide at another feast, and this will be the wedding feast in heaven. And this is at the end of the age prior to the millennial reign of Christ on earth. You can find this in Revelation chapter 19. So now we've gone from the symbolism of the wine and the blood. Now we're at, a, we're at a wedding in Cana. Let's look at the wedding that's going to happen in heaven, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So there is a coming marriage supper in heaven, and that's the marriage of the Lamb. And he has a bride, and that's us. That's those of us who have trusted in Christ, who believe on his name, are his bride. And I believe that this, this wedding, this miracle he has performed in Cana at the wedding feast is a symbol of him coming to get his bride through his blood, through the shedding of his, of his blood. Jesus talked about a wedding feast in his parables of the, of the kingdom pointing to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So you'll find one uh, in Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 1. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business. While the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few 
are chosen. I'm not going to go into detail about the, um, the, the many different facets of, of this parable. I just want to put it in here to say Jesus is pointing to a wedding feast that a king is holding for his son. And there's another one, Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the ten virgins. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who, who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. But when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry, Here is a bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was shut. Afterward, the the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So I believe both of these parables are pointing toward the marriage supper of the Lamb. So Jesus spoke about this um, during his ministry here on earth. So to review, what for me, Jesus is turning water into wine at the wedding feast in, uh, in Cana, what it brings to my mind, that first, that the wine we provide is insufficient, whether it's the blood of bulls and goats or the works we do or whatever it is, only the blood of Christ is sufficient to save us from our sins. And by the shedding of his blood, he ended the sacrificial system given to Israel through Moses. Jesus, through this miracle, Jesus is saying he came to provide the good wine, the best wine, his blood, to pay for and cleanse us of our sins. And then finally, for those who trust in his name, we will one day join him at another feast where he, the bridegroom, will provide his wine for us, the bride. That's the marriage supper of the Lamb. So let's look again at what he says at the end of the portion where he institutes the Lord's Supper. Um, So I'm going to start again in Matthew 26, verse 26. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. If you remember in John chapter 15, starting in verse 1, Jesus says he is the true vine. And then here he's saying he would not drink the fruit of the vine again until, until new in his Father's kingdom. So the fruit of the vine being his blood symbolized by, by wine. So you have all these symbols that our Lord uses being brought together. And so we look forward one day to participating in the, in the wedding feast, the marriage feast of, of the Lamb. So it, just to summarize, I believe that Jesus turning water into wine at the wedding it kind of signifies another wedding, and that's the marriage supper of the Lamb. And through his actions, Jesus is declaring that he has come. This is, this is really the amazing part. He is declaring that he has come. The purpose of him coming down to earth, condescending to be with us, is to claim his, his bride. He has come to claim his bride. 
and it's through his blood, which is symbolized by the wine. So I think that this is a very appropriate first sign for him to give during his ministry on earth. And we need to rejoice for this is us. We are his bride. (laughs) This is a sign for us. And I say, thank you, Lord, for your precious blood that cleanses us of all unrighteousness. And we look forward to that day when we drink the fruit of the vine new with you in our Father's kingdom. Blessed be your name, Jesus.